Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we find light beer unbearable. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Kundula. And uh, starting with our only beer for the episode, the truly upsetting End of History by Brewdog, which if you don't know about that, well, first off, if you don't like the beer talk, you could skip the next couple minutes because that's what all, all we're going to be talking about. But if you don't know what this beer is, go Google image search it. It is from Brewdog. It was at one point the world's strongest beer. Is it, it not anymore? It has been surpassed, but it is 55. What put that inside of? Uh, it just, <laughs> you just put it right into your butt. Gunk. <laughs> this is a 55% alcohol beer. This is 55%? Allegedly. That's stronger than most regular liquor. Almost all regular liquor. Oh, yeah. It's like barrel, like cask strength whiskey. Jeez. But it's inside of a taxidermied squirrel. It's a bottle... Put inside of the poor piece of roadkill. We put a picture of it up on the Instagram to show you why this is the last episode, because we're all going to die. It's really upsetting. It looks like something that would be the first clue that I've angered an old gypsy woman. (laughs) (laughs) This is appearing in my home. (laughs) And uh, the bottle comes out of its mouth. This is the kind of thing they find in a serial killer's basement. Oh, yes. They find his lair. It's what's in the box. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm more, more than horrified about the, what I'm staring at. I'm horrified how much money I paid to get this because you had to invest pretty heavily into Brewdog stock, which I have learned is a bunch of bullshit. Um, but is it not real stock? It's not like publicly traded now. You have to find people to buy it from you. It's like a fucking... NFT of the oh, it's like the, it's like the olden days. Yes, you just stood outside the stock market and said, "Hello, would anyone like to buy us some stock?" East the Dutch East India Company. <laughs> its stock will never go down. Never. Um, so yeah, it's a bunch of horseshit. I actually recently tried to sell my stock and just to make back my. And this is like six years ago. I bought this this brewery's been operation like. The, the diehard fanatics who live in Columbus are the only ones who will buy it, probably, because if you own stock, you get a discount at the bar and at the brewery. Do you get a bigger discount the more stock you own? Uh, I know they had that for the UK stock. I don't know if it's for the US one, but like you get all sorts of different perks, and you get to go to their like annual beer festival with live music and food and shit like that for free if you have stock, etc. So people who live in the area... Collect on, like buy it because they actually could benefit. But because of United States bullshit laws, they cannot ship beer directly to you unless you live in a handful of states. So you know, which was a big part of their mar- their model in the U in the UK and the Euro thing that the original product uh, did. They would ship you beer anywhere within the Eurozone. So it was like an awesome thing. Like you could live in Luxembourg or some bullshit, and you could just get Brewdog beer shipped directly to your house. They did not realize you can't do that in the United States because they're fucking idiots. <laughs> they, Almost as big a bunch of know. idiots as the people who bought stock in it. <laughs> um, but I could go on and on about how much Brewdog blows, but I want to let's uh, try the beer. It. So it's made. Oh, oh, it's it's blood. I don't want to drink. It is syrupy. It, it looks like maple syrup. It looks like of. a fine cognac. It, of it, squirrel it, vomit. <laughs> Oh, oh, it's dripping down his face. Oh, <laughs> oh you gotta, you gotta shampoo it. They, they, I was told they did shampoo the dead body. Well, you know, straight off. The I road. could smell that from here, like the boozy smell of that. 
I'm not trying to be uh, cheap with you, but I just don't imagine you're going to want to drink much of this. Maybe it's incredible. So I have here the recipe for it. Oh, God. I to, was wrong. So basically, have you tried it already? No, it smells weird. To get it down to this temperature, to, to what they do is they make a beer. and So then, it's, it's clearly an IPA. It, um, <laughs> not, I mean, kind of. It's in the ballpark. It's not really anything. It's its own weird beer. It, their tasting notes are, quote, complexity defined, floral, grapefruit, caramel, and cloves intensified Mom. by a boozy heat. <laughs> And this it, is literally drinking out of a dead body, guys. This is mung. It is mung juice. <laughs> Who among us could say no? <laughs> uh, you have to freeze the beer to get the ice out of it, and they had to freeze it apparently down to negative seventy Celsius to get down to the up to this strength alcohol. So you cannot do this at home. Ooh, okay. That smells like pure gasoline. Oh, Good lord. Oh, oh my god. It tastes like Jaeger and rubbing alcohol. Definitely rubbing alcohol. It burns. Oh god. It burns us. It uh, really does. This tastes like this I mean it's 55% alcohol, so I guess it's this is basically drinking like liquor. But it's thicker. It's also very earthy. Like, it's I'm not getting terrible, but it's not <laughs> good. I'm getting raisins. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. like for sure. Ra- like uh, well, I think that's like the intense. Raisins that burn. <laughs> it tastes purple. <laughs> it tastes... I'm getting strong notes of brown, actually, but <laughs> it... I'm going to make some strong brown after this. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think of this? It's terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is the worst thing I've had. There she is. It's not the worst. Oh, life. Do you want to try it? <laughs> <laughs> my, my thoughts exactly. <laughs> I don't get nearly enough notes of roadkill. I mean, how much have you had lately? It's changed a lot in the last two years. <laughs> Since COVID, yeah. the whole market is different. <laughs> you know, the whales are back. Just like... <laughs> good Lord. This is horrifying. There's no good Lord here. We're drinking out of a dead squirrel's mouth. Not directly. Too directly. It's, it's, it's one a... degree of separation. It's not enough. <laughs> Do you want to have like a, we need to make like a Rube Goldberg series of Beakers and pipes for it to somehow be okay. Get some of the mouth cooties off of it. I don't know. Uh, it's 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 not great, but it's not nearly as bad. It, honestly, it's it's better than like what the fucking the thirty something percent one, the nuclear penguin or sink the Bismarck. Food. It's similar to sink the Bismarck, honestly, which I have. We could in the fridge there if we want to have some. I remember that one being just awful. That one tastes like liquid dirt. Yeah, this one's better than that. I had the uh, penguin one. Uh, I guess probably five or six years ago now. That was delicious. Like, apparently, there's a wide range in quality uh, depending on, because of the freezing process is, like, very imprecise, I guess. Mm. Like, how quickly it gets to that determines what gets, like, frozen out of it or some bullshit. So, we had the t- Tactical Nuco Penguin, like, a decade ago, and it sucked. And then I had it in Sweden, and it was actually really good. I do this? But, yeah, that's it. So, that's the beer talk for the whole episode, except when we occasionally remind ourselves to sip this and are horrified anew. If you don't breathe while you drink it, it's a little better because you can't smell Because it smells like a... It smells fucking awful. It, it is. It smells like the kind of thing you'd use to get barnacles off of a ship. That's usually like a chisel. But you could think <laughs> if you wanted to chemi- chemically remove things. Like, if you wanted to chemically neuter a horse. a boat. <laughs> yeah. More like gay palm. That's when you give a reach around. (laughs) (laughs) You have long arms. Okay, so the unbearable lightness of being. Why are we reading this? 
besides as a vehicle to do drink this beer because the guy died. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, so we're doing it because the guy just died, and this is his most famous work. He was old as fuck. He was in his nineties. He was born in nineteen twenty nine. So yeah. So he's clearly picturing himself as Tomas or whatever his name is in the book. He is basically a lot of that stuff happened to him, or he wishes. <laughs> Minus yeah, like how he fucked every woman in he's Prague. Like, I have fucked over two hundred hot Czech babes. It's like, dude, I've seen that movie. Like, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think the Czech Republic and uh, and Hungary are the, like if you look at a, a map of Europe, it's like porn stars per capita. Like those countries look like fucking Africa next to the other countries. <laughs> like, like the amount of porn people in the European porn industry from the Czech Republic specifically mm. is disproportionate to their number why of do, people. Why do they look like Africa? Like, if you looked at a map of Europe, like, check, and you, like, scale it for size, I mean, like, Africa, the size oh, of the continental okay. mass. Like, oh, Not okay. like black people. Come on. Yeah, like, <laughs> the Czech Republic, they're the whitest fucking people on Earth. I they mean, at, at that point, are they really stars? Well, it, porn is the only <laughs> industry where you're a star on your first film. <laughs> <laughs> that and astronomer star discoverers. Yeah, Kepler is a star <laughs> uh, as well. He's a porn star. <laughs> okay, so the book. So it it uh, it's hard, man. It starts with this it really weird thing. <laughs> it's it, the first couple of pages are not about the story. I mean, they're about the story. They're not uh, the characters or the plot. It's just him talking about Nietzsche specifically, and this is and this is kind of the frame for the whole book. Uh, he's talking about Nietzsche's idea that everything infinitely recurs uh that is like what literally the first sentence is the idea if of eternal return is a mysterious one and nietzsche has often perplexed other philosophers with it do you think that everything recurs as we once experienced it and that the recurrence itself recurs ad finitum what does this mad myth signify and he's basically trying to say if Nietzsche is right, which he's saying is not, but if Nietzsche is right in everything you do is going to recur again in, infinitely over like time, your, the, the, the planet Earth will recur, your life on Earth will recur. I mean, if you're, if you're and all the people, if, if you're going to recur a million times, that means that every single thing you do in your life has, is really heavy. It's really meaningful because if you make a bad decision and you're going like, to keep making that bad decision a billion, bajillion times forever, but... If that's not true, if, if in its sort of one phrase it uses, if it only happens once, it doesn't matter. Oh, and your life as a human only happens once. So light, your, your life is light. It's not heavy. It's light. He says that, yeah, that the most recursive thing about that passage was the fact that I had to read it four times to get anything out of it. But the recurring thing he says throughout the book is some version of, you can't run the experiment again in life. You get a chance to do it. You have a decision to make, and that's it. You don't get to go back and try the other, the road less traveled or whatever. So your decisions kind of don't matter, <laughs> like because whatever. But the lightness and heaviness thing will occur in many different forms throughout the book. As what I saw the book to be is like a series of contrasts. Like he sets up right away this whole contrast of like essentially fate like your things are going to happen no matter again and again and again or they'll never happen again and then uh lightness and weight and heaviness and many other contrasts which we'll talk about later but then it jumps to 
Is it Tomas? Must be Tomas. Tomas. Or Tomash. Tomash. And Tomash is a surgeon, serial philanderer type. Well, he he cheats on his first wife, who's not in the book, really. So actually, he first wife, he only married her because he got her pregnant after he slept with her one time. And so then he married her and, like, you know, they had the kid. But then they immediately get divorced and you know and she's like i don't even want you to see him and stuff like that and so and he's like fine i don't really care (laughs) just one example of oh if it only happens once it doesn't matter because he slept slept with the woman once nope doesn't really care about her or the child no he doesn't care about the kid until he reappears later and he's like oh fuck it uh but he his whole thing is he just likes to just likes to get his dick sucked. He just likes to fuck as many women as he can and purposely avoids um, being weighed down with commitment. Emotional involvement. And he will say later that sex is totally different than love. There's a phrase at one point that says, making love is different than love, is a line at some point. Um, and he's having a great time doing this as he's a surgeon. You know, he's a upper-class dude. Just just traveling around, getting laid. And this is meets. Prague in like 1960. Swinging Prague, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know what fucking sweet Czech accents sound like. I have fucking no idea. I think Polish. but I, Like that. Yeah. Like, it's just sweet. Like, I think they have like a... <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, in the beginning, Tomas is just like having all these affairs, but he's always like, uh, sorry, you can't stay. Uh, you have to go home. I'll drive you home. I snore a lot. You're not going to want to be here for that. <laughs> my, my penis smells when I sleep. <laughs> I have horrendous <laughs> night farts. <laughs> I, I mean, I just live on fucking potatoes and kielbasa like every other Czech person. Is that what they live on? I mean, it's, that's what I'm imagining me do. <laughs> so, that beer? Goulash? That's Hungarian. So my, um, beer, yeah. part of my, my, my family is from the Czech lands a long way back. And I found... I got this thing from my like great grandfather's sister kept this journal in 1930 when she traveled to Europe and she was a spinster. She was like a school teacher and somebody found me and gave me this book. It's actually really cool. And so reading it, there's a part where she goes to the, to the Czech, to Czechoslovakia as it was then the land her parents were from, you know, and this is presumably your first thing. And she, her entire summary of Czechoslovakia is, you know, entered entered Czechoslovakia today, period. It is a poor country, <laughs> period. A grain country. <laughs> and then she never talks about it again. <laughs> like, wow, it really left an impact. So that's my entire impression of che- the Czech Republic. Like, it is a poor country, a grain country. <laughs> Jesus. That sounds fun. I mean, this was a lady who was, you know, an unmarried school teacher. Apparently, so. like, people that go to Prague today say it's, like, one of the coolest places in the world. I think, I think uh, Czech Republic also has, like, incredible alcohol consumption per capita. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Like, I think specifically beer. I mean, the Czech, Czech uh, region is where they invented Pilsner, so. No, oh, so they, they drink a lot of, you know, 2% beer. Oh, it's how they hydrate. I'm sure the water <laughs> is not potable. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. So, but immediately, right in the first, very first, like, opening paragraph of <laughs> Jimmy's trying to drink more. I'll I'm, be honest with you, I made beer once, and it smelled like this. It just, <laughs> and it was bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
It's like a almost like a weird off maple syrup smell. Like it's very sugary smelling. Like if you filled a maple syrup bottle with a bunch of old shoes that still had to, <laughs> still had feet in them, <laughs> but just the foot, <laughs> and that foot had trench foot. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It smells medicinal. It, yeah. It doesn't smell like decay. <laughs> So, right in the very first paragraph... My sign is this <laughs> First paragraph, he, uh, Tomas is wondering if he should call Teresa. Because Teresa, as you find out, is this woman who he had met when he was away on a trip, when, as she was just the, uh, the waitress and fucked her, I guess. No, you, I guess no, you find out didn't later. Fuck. Didn't. There you go. Yeah. But she had showed up at his apartment, uh, showed at, his, uh, at his place in Prague, and then they immediately fuck, and then she gets sick for a week, and then leaves. And but she he's stays wondering, ill for the yeah, week. Yeah, That's yeah. an important change of schedule, you know, of a programming for him. Yeah, because he can't just be like, "No, bitch, you got to leave." Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, lady, you got to leave. Uh, and so she, and he's like, "Do I call her? Because if she comes back, then it'll be a thing that recurs and will matter. It'll be if it recurs, it's forever. If it happens once, then then fuck it, it didn't matter at all." He's wondering what to do, uh, if he should call her, and then he's also, she shows up. By the way, he's a. I don't think we actually know at that point that he's a doctor. He's, she, he says he's a surgeon. You find out a, very near the beginning. Is it okay? Uh, I, we, we, I, I, okay, the book doesn't know. Yeah, I don't know. But like, she's sick for a week, and he's just like, ah, fucking. I think he was hoping she'd die. I think like she's just his entire form is like, you better just, uh, I guess, fucking stay in that bed. Well. Uh, I go try to find some new tail. All right, no, bye. He's a surgeon. He's like, can I cut your arm off? Well, Will later on, help? he becomes a general practitioner. So, mm-hmm. you know, he had to go to the same med school training. He specialized. He, he, he had, like, a longer residency. <laughs> and because he's wondering, like, what do I do? Do I, like, call her and have her come back? But then she will leave her whole life just for me. And do I want that? That sounds like too much commitment. And then she does. She He doesn't call her. She just shows up. And he's like... Yeah, okay, you can move in. And so they're then together. For she sh- but she shows up. This is, a, this is the first of many times in the book is real subtle. Carrying a copy of Anna Karenina. That's the only thing she has. She leaves her suitcase at the train station. She has Anna Karenina, which is like, I actually have never read it, I have to admit. I know Nate read it at some point. Nope. I saw a part Didn't you of listen to movie. it? I'm pretty sure nope. I saw it in your Goodreads. I did. That's, see, no, that's what happens when you listen. They don't, it doesn't count. It doesn't sink in. I no, thought you it, did it was not anacrenonon. It, it was uh, something else. I'm going to no. fucking look it up. Man. I, def- I definitely have not read or listened to anacrenonon, so it had to have been something else. Did you do another, like, Brothers Karamazov or something like that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, uh, the one, one we eventually did, uh, Crime and Punishment. Huh. Oh. Weird. I guess that's what I'm thinking of. Anyway, um, but she like loves the and, dude and spoils the end of Anna Karenina right yeah. then. And Too soon uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the century of the book's release. <laughs> you had it's your like because she found it funny to be waiting at a train station when at the end of Anna Karenina. Anna jumps and kills herself by jumping in front of a train. And this is like chapter two. Of but it's the also book. a love story thing, right? Like she can't be with the guy so. she wants to be yeah. with. And it's like, huh. I wonder if that's going to be important in this book. Mm. That the only not not a clue. No. Yeah, it's heavy with symbolism. It really is. It really is. I was lightheaded uh, trying to keep up with all that. So that goes on, but then he's also has a side piece. 
or one of his many recurring bitches is, uh, and that's you know in a polite way. So he's um, living with Teresa, and they're like you. Event- so this is like 1960, 61. Eventually, the Prague Spring happens. That's 1968, and you find out he's just I offhand. Hope it, I don't know shit about it. Offhand says uh, they're married, when and it's like oh, warmer, they're it's married. Worse. <laughs> <laughs> you can really taste the notes of squirrel then. <laughs> Claws. Uh, and so. Um, Anyway, so they're they're together, but at the same time, he's sleeping with all of Prague. He just won't stop. And you find out a bit about one just of his checking mistresses. Checking them off his list. <laughs> <laughs> one of his mistresses named Sabina, who is an artist, and he fucks her in the studio. She has a I really think, cool hat. She does have a cool hat, yeah. That's that was important for some reason. That's every remember. every edition of the book, the cover uh, is this because fucking hat. Because it's, it's a bowler hat. And bowling balls are heavy. <laughs> and she was his spare. Ooh. Girl. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. he strikes out. Did bowling exist yeah. then? Yeah, didn't like Rip Van Winkle fall asleep bowling? Oh, true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, was right. Uh, he feels like a real turkey at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so you find, so, uh, and you find out a little bit about her and how she's a, uh, she's an artist and she like has absolutely no, I mean, she's not trying to marry him or anything like that. She has no attachments. No, she wants to be completely... She's the direct opposite of Teresa. (laughs) Without any commitments at all. And at one point they meet, but that's like not until the middle. Well, Teresa finds a letter from Sabina and, you know, going through the guy's desk. He's like, what the fuck? That was my private wank drawer, (laughs) you know, going there. But Sabina talked about a dream she had, right? Where... It's Teresa's dream. But but Sabrina talked about she wanted to do it, right? She wanted them to all bang on a bed in oh, the middle of her art studio. And Teresa's like, I had a weird dream last night where we you were cheating on me at an art studio or we were and he's like, Okay, that's fucking way too convenient for you to have not read that letter. Because <laughs> that is a that's word for word. And she's like, Oh, you got me. But come on, like busted. Not cool. And he's like, bitch, daddy gonna play. Daddy gotta go get laid. That hot, it not inhibited uh, art girl. Uninhibited, that's the word. Yeah. And I forget what happens now. I think it goes to Sabina's story. Oh, no, Teresa's backstory comes next, I think. Well, then he, he, they decide after the Soviet invasion, everybody's like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? And at that point, Sabina has already left because she was an artist. She went to Switzerland. And he's like, well, we can move to Switzerland because we got to get the fuck out of Prague because of all the Soviet stuff. So, okay, Czech Republic was communist. And so, but they, so in all, and they were in the uh, their Eastern Bloc. They were like behind the Iron Curtain. And so they're, uh, even though they technically had their own free country, their own country, they were very much under the, under the control of the USSR. It's like so, a Warsaw uh, Pact thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, they were the front line of the wars of the Iron Curtain. Anyway, so they, uh, all of the all of the, the Eastern Iron Bloc countries. They're at the very front of the stage. <laughs> all of the Iron Curtain countries were pretty much like, yeah, you can have your own thing over there, but we still own you. And so the Soviet Union had no problem just just sending in tanks whenever they felt like it. And the Prague, Prague nineteen sixty eight is one of those times when they when they were trying to have more, much more. They're trying to reform some bunch of stuff and be more democratic. But didn't the USSR like make a big show? It, it was the, like '56 with Hungary, and they like yes. smacked those guys down. And then yep, did the same like thing in Hungary before. So, no, but like 1968 is often 
historians talk about it's like one of those like big years where a lot of shit happened. Very the white album year. came out, uh the Czech Spring apparently. Uh I don't know what else. But I know nothing like in America, year. not a single thing. Nothing. It's pretty 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 boring over here. Uh, did the doors have an album out here? I don't remember. <laughs> Some sure key assassinations. <laughs> it's it just a couple the, things. It was the not as nice year. Yeah, it was after the summer of love of sixty seven. Yeah, the spring of violent governmental retaliation. <laughs> like which doesn't have the same ring. I think summer of love was sixty nine. Sixty seven. Oh. Woodstock was sixty nine. Right. I assume well, nothing happened of love at Woodstock. Sixty nine. And, and it was, was in the summer. Funny coincidence. It wasn't the summer of love. That would okay. have been they were too baked to think of that. <laughs> They're like as if you were a hippie in nineteen sixty five. You know what, honey, wait, wait. Just hold on two years, then we'll do that. <laughs> it will be really funny then. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I better do it now before she forgets or loses interest. So 1968, the, the, the Soviet Union sends in the tanks and just like takes over, uh, I mean, especially Prague, but all of Czechoslovakia, and just like, fuck you. You're going to be still as Soviet as we want you to be. Uh, and which case, which was like a, a, major, a major thing. It was terrible. Lots of people died. And then, you know, the, the communist government, you know, research control over everything, including a secret police, which, which comes in later in the book. Some people flee, uh, defect, are able to defect to the West, like really as like refugees. And so right when this happens in 1968, uh, Sabina goes to Switzerland, goes to uh, Geneva. But then so does, but then Tomas and Teresa also go there. I mean, he's a doctor, so he, you know, he, he's employable. And so. she has been pissing off the Soviets because she has become a photographer. So she took, she took a lot of very, uh, a lot of pictures of what was going on in Prague in 19, um, in the, in the, uh, with all the Soviets and the Soviet tanks and everything like that. And supposedly took a lot of important pictures uh, and, were, and didn't keep all of them, was literally handing them to Western journalists, like, here, you print this, because I can't. And, but then they, but the Soviets caught her, threw her in jail for a week, and so they ended up getting out. Uh, and so they're in Geneva for a little while, for only a few weeks, though, because then Teresa leaves. She's like, I am, I'm not strong enough for this. I can't leave, or I, it's a very convenient way to bring me back to Prague for plot reasons, which is but really also what happened. She, she found out he was banging Sabina again. That's true, because she was there. How convenient. She was in, she, she was, they were in Zurich and she was in Geneva or the other way around. So he would be like, I'm going to take a business trip. And then he would go bang her and she'd be like, ah, oh, he's taking care of business with that lady. And so <laughs> she's like, overtime. I hate this place. I'm not good at it. I don't feel at home here. And so she leaves and shakes their dog who they've named Karenine because Karenin from Karenin. Yeah. Karenina. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a boy dog. Though they did have some debates about whether giving the boy dog a girl's name would make it a lesbian, which is how it works. That's uh, definitely how dogs work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely care what name they have. Though they did mention the dog did kind of become a lesbian. I'm not sure how. Because it was into girl dogs? Like, isn't yeah. that... I don't really like, know. how do you prove that? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a dog pun for the Kinsey scale, but I can't. Was the dog driving a Volvo? Kibblesy like, scale. Uh, no, a Subaru? <laughs> I was driving a Subaru and wearing a lot of flannel. <laughs> <laughs> dog got into Mich- Melissa Etheridge. It always barked when that Sarah McLaughlin song came on. So Teresa leaves and goes back to Prague. And for one weekend, Tomas is like, oh, I guess I'm free to just bang anyone I want. Oh, wait, I did that before. I made my family disappear. I want both. <laughs> 
And so he goes back to, and then after a weekend, he's like, oh, I feel really bad. Uh, I miss her. I guess I'm going back to Prague, that shithole <laughs> communist country. So he goes back to Prague, and then the rest of the book takes place back in uh, Czechoslovakia. There's also like a side story about Sabina and then Franz, the uh, man that's the other man that Sabina is. Well, he's kind of okay. yeah, he's a big deal there as as the opposite of Tomas. But we also get the background of Teresa as where why she is the way she is. Yeah, like where why while Tomas is you know educated and uh, in a position of prestige. She's from like the boondocks and had like a weird hillbilly mom who would just like walk around naked and just fart openly. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, and the mom fucked her up. You know what? I don't think I've read a book with the word anus in it as much as this one. And it's not even a sex book. So, my favorite, but like jumping ahead, there's a part where Teresa tries to fuck another guy, that engineer guy, which I actually don't remember now if she actually has sex with him or not because she was like, astral projecting during it and realizing all the symbolism of having sex with this other guy that's not Tomas. Mm. And afterward, and then like the guy doesn't call her back afterwards. And she eventually is like convinced it's because he's part of the secret police. But for what happens in that sex scene, and this is where anus comes up. She, she like, he's like near her. He's like touching the, the phrase like, triangle of pubic hair appears about 900 times in the book too it's a really fucking horny book and he's like gonna like fondle her and then she starts screaming no 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 and then she takes a shit in his apartment (laughs) (laughs) and it's like why didn't he call me back (laughs) like literally there's a whole chapter where she's taking a dump after i don't remember if they have sex or not i think they do i think they do but she's taking a hot shit and she's just (laughs) thinking about like you know, when you're sitting on the toilet, it's kind of like the sewer it has a little finger in your house yeah. and you're shitting on it. And she's and like, like what? What happened to is this, this book? Is this the part where she's saying like she really, she realized she really wanted Tomas to watch her take a shit? Well, she goes back into the room <laughs> afterwards and it said, there's like a line like she could still feel the, the paper on her anus from <laughs> where she took a dump. Like, like, that's Nobel quality writing. Well, there, there was another one later on about when he was, when Tomas was banging some random ladies, like he fingered her butthole and then she fingered his butthole. And he's like, wow, I never had that before. And, I think it was uh, Sabina. It was the, t- it was the tall lady. Oh, oh, the goofy right. looking one towards the end of the book. The giraffe butt fingerer. Uh, who, who, a woman who looks like a giraffe or a boy. <laughs> and she's boy fingering butts. <laughs> this book is rife with metaphor he's like that feels un- i could feel the unbearable rightness of that <laughs> finger in my ass <laughs> but yeah uh-huh. there's a lot of pooping stuff <laughs> you would think it's, it's not the unbearable lightness of peeing it is it is of taking a dump and feeling lighter afterwards i'm sure because <laughs> you'll take that dump forever for all, or all eternity yeah. that's why it's so heavy <laughs> That that would have been amazing. Like, that, I want to. I wish I was in like a college class. I'm like professor, when she takes when she uh, quote voids her bowels, <laughs> is that also an example of lightness? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't think so. Um, that's not really what he's going for there, because because it, it sounds like a big one. It sounds like <laughs> she's probably relieved, and it had to flush twice. It does mention she was sweating. She took <laughs> a hot, sweaty dump, long enough to ponder. 
<laughs> the meaning of life. Existential <laughs> dread. Of of the sewer fairy that comes up into your house and tickles your butthole. Gives you Poseidon's kiss. Nate, do you know what Poseidon's kiss is? I'm not even sure what it is. That's it. when you poop and the water splashes uh. back up into your butt. <laughs> I figured it's <laughs> I was just thinking of in uh, that's science. The new, newer Tom Segura special where he calls eating ass giving the sweetest kiss of all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it used to be the only thing he didn't eat. <laughs> <laughs> so Nate, what are your thoughts on the butt stuff? Is it light or heavy? <laughs> Does it depend on the meal? <laughs> Ironically, it could be light in color but very heavy in, in mass. Uh, so. <laughs> So later in the book, uh, what about Franz? We can talk about him. Yeah, Franz, he's a professor and he like lives just to like write papers, give lectures, and not do anything real. But then he fucks Sabina. He's married to another woman. Uh, And then he fucks Sabina. He doesn't like like, clearly. Uh, and he's like, uh, and this is this is great. And he tries to leave his wife. No, I mean, he does. He leaves, he tells his wife, you know, I'm I found another woman, I love her. And then immediately it's like, I'm, I'm leaving. She's like, okay, fine. I'm free now. Uh, and then he goes back to Sabina's place. And she's moved out. And it's like, he does not know where she went. Well, because so, he tells Sabina, I'm leaving my wife. And she's like, oh, shit. This is getting real now. And then she has frenzied banshee sex with him. Well, he's like, I knew she'd be into this. And she's like, but her inner monologue or <laughs> her thought is like, I'm free. I'm going to bang him like it's the last time because it is. Deuces. And then he stalks her hanging outside of her apartment and he's like, he sees moving men. He's like, hey, where are you going? We were specifically told not to tell even you, you creepy (laughs) bastard. But there's probably some stuff in the garbage you might want to sift through. But he can't go back to his wife for the shame. (laughs) So he's now single and then he starts banging a student. And that's like most of his story. And Sabina moves to the United States. Because she's a famous Czech, you know, dissident artist. But there's a big thing with Franz of comparing him with Tomas because Franz is a man of, of higher learning and physical strength. But then, like, and he's showing off at one point where he, like, does some strongman routine, lifting a chair or some bullshit. <laughs> one of those, you know, Soviet-led chairs. <laughs> he's, like, like, holding it by one arm. He's like, look at that. I am so strong. I will crush you. And she's like, yeah, that's really like strong. We will crush like, capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he's Swiss, so he's definitely a capitalist. Oh, yes. Yeah. So he's, he's like, I will. I use these arms to lift all that stolen Jew gold. <laughs> 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 that we definitely don't still have right now in 2023. <laughs> um, she's like, sick burn. Oh, no. So then uh, Swiss jokes now. Uh, so then she's thinking, like, he's really strong, but not strong in the way, like, Tomas is strong, because Tomas is, like... Strong stri- enough not to give a shit. Yeah, but because <laughs> he doesn't give a shit, he has, he has like, the kind of game that just, like, melts the women, you know, like, in, in like, the pickup artist's mind, where he just goes, like, strip from me. And they're like, oh, my God, it's so fucking hot. He's so powerful. And then, <laughs> and it's specifically in that passage, he's like, it talks... He has the strength. Thomas, Thomas doesn't have the strength to like lift this fucking heavy chair or whatever, but he did have the strength to order me to lay a mirror on the ground <laughs> and walk around naked on it while he like jerked off. And and she, like she like I will do what he says. Like he has that power over me because he's so hot or something. 
I'm not really sure what made him hot. Whereas this guy is he like... Was, he was hot because he didn't give a shit. Well, that's the... Yeah, he's just cool, right? He's aloof. But that's where Franz is like another one of the contrasts of the book. is like a foil. They're the opposite of, of Tomas. There's two heavy characters and two light characters. Oh, yeah. And one guy in the middle. And they're all unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then what happens? So, oh, all yeah, right, no, no, no. Franz decides to write an essay about Oedipus. Uh, it's Tomas, I, isn't it? Tomas writes it because he's the gets in trouble for it. Tomas right, decides to write an, an <laughs> essay about Oedipus. Why, he, I don't remember. He ate a lot of puss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that must be it. Uh, so he, and then... Has it, it published? Because it was his to do mom with... is the only woman in the Czech Republic he hasn't banged <laughs> yet. <laughs> it, w- it was because he uh, he had gotten back to Prague, and the, at this point, you know, it was a Soviet bloc country, and you could not like criticize anyone. And he wrote this big long essay about Oedipus because he was like saying something about how you know, it was it was social critique, but it was a little more nuanced, and it wasn't specifically against. Any like anyone that he wasn't allowed to make fun of, but then they, the editor in the paper cut a bunch of stuff and it made it seem like it was more aggressive than it really was, and he got in some trouble. So then the secret police want him. It's not the Stasi because that was in East Germany. It's the the Czech Stasi. Stasi. <laughs> That's Dutch. <laughs> Stash. Stashush. <laughs> uh, they want him to write or at least sign a retraction, and this is a big deal, which. I mean, I guess I believe it was a big deal that he needed to sign some sort of retraction or he would lose his job, even though, like, but he doesn't want to sign the retraction because it's like, then they'll have that over me. And it's probably also a, you know, resistance to to, uh, communism, stuff like that. But he doesn't want to do it even to save his job. And the head of the hospital, who really likes Tomas, is like, you should just do it because you're a good doctor. You're a good surgeon and we need you. But he still won't do it. And there's also, like, you know, he at the hospital, he's like, some people are, like, on his side. He's like, yeah, fuck them. Fuck the government people, these psychos. And the uh, and other half are like, you just do it, man. And, you know, it's, you know, keep your head two down. sides of this big fight. Like, I don't know if they're light or heavy, whatever the fuck. But everything's... It's uh, everything's, everything's just contrast. Everything's yeah. just pairs. But also, this is what actually happened to Kundera. Mm. Like, I looked it up. I was like, after I looked, after I read the book, I was like, what was that? <laughs> and it says like he went like he oh, I wrote it down because it was confusing it wasn't confusing I just can't remember what it was um, he was a communist as a kid as they all were because that's what was going on and then the Soviets came in and they're like oh this actually sucks a lot um, and he was uh, expelled from his school and from the communist party for because uh, he wanted to be an avant-garde writer and Soviet art is not very open to stuff that isn't like hyper realist and like it was just like you know the gloria glorification of the workers and like nothing like imaginative that's also the reason why sabina leaves is she likes to do creative stuff and it's like weird and you know not not even dissident it's not it's not protest art it's just art that isn't Hyper realistic, so it's it not is, abstract or yeah. cubist. It has to it's, be like it's just yeah, real. Because, because of that, it is considered dissident. And so he, like, he leaves, and then he he uh, was it blah 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 blah, and then he uh, eventually gets back in good with everybody. Push in, 
Pushkin. Pushkin. <laughs> Push in is what I'm going to do with this squirrel later when I'm alone. Eventually, he gets back in good with the party and the government after a while. But there's a scene where he's being... I mean, I mean, like, I mean, uh, Kundera. Oh, okay. yeah. He gets back in, and then he becomes a teacher, and then he starts writing his shit again. And they're like, "Okay, fuck you!" And they ban him again. They ban a publishing of all his books. He's blacklisted, and he leaves. And he's he, like stateless for a couple of years. Yeah, right? he, I think he moves to like Paris. I think, and then he's like, "This is where I live now," and like. That's it. And I, th- I don't know if... He, I guess he goes back sometimes, but he never lives there again. Well, he doesn't live anywhere now. No, he doesn't live anywhere. But yeah, I mean, like a lot of the stuff that happens with Tomas and the, and the stuff is based on what happened to him because he lived that shit. Yeah, and also mm. all the bitches. That happened too. <laughs> <laughs> I did that too. So he... There's uh, a part I've had sex with like probably 200 women. Kondra was like, yeah, I'm going to round down. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never believe the real number. <laughs> People love my avant-garde writing. <laughs> they just have sex with me, so I stop reading it to them. <laughs> Please, I'll do anything. <laughs> so Tomas, he loses his job at the uh, doctor. He lo- loses his job as a surgeon, and then he becomes a window washer, where he doesn't wash that many windows. <laughs> All he does... Oh, but he cleans up. <laughs> he, he goes he like because he does house calls he goes to people's houses in the middle That's of the where day the windows are happen to be women <laughs> where he goes and just bangs them yeah you want me to clean your window and fuck you trim your trim your bushes <laughs> i mean they, they it really talks i mean he was a guy clearly it's a very horny book, but he was into Bush because every every time someone's naked. I mean, it was the sixties, but he, but like and seventies. But I don't know if he needed to say it either. Then, like, was he like, let me just remind people of the future what pubes were like. I he, have a he feeling probably, he probably didn't. They're going to shave were, these one day. Is that cyclical? Also, was there a time before? Well, there's there's a contrast of Bush and and shaved the Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, listen, this is it's one Brazilian character. Yes, the Germans did bad things to our country, but they brought great things to Brazil when they went over there and <laughs> hid in the hills and invented the shaved vagina. <laughs> I don't know if the Germans invented it. I doubt it. I don't know. It seems very orderly. <laughs> <laughs> this clean. bush is just way too messy. Very it's just, <laughs> minimalist. <laughs> it's, it's just in a way. It looks like a rabbi's beard. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not liking it. Yeah, that's 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 what you and you're writing your paper on the contrasts of the duology of the unbearable lightness of being the the finals chapter is uh, the pubes and the <laughs> women with no pubes. I mean, everything is a duology, so there's got to be. He didn't mention a, a non-bush lady one time. No, but he every every lady has a uh, triangular bush specifically. Like, one, well, what other one of them had like is like hair from the navel to the bottom. Like, oh my god, that's too much. That's a, that's a diamond. That's. <laughs> That's like a Greek guy. She's wearing a hair diaper. <laughs> <laughs> she's just like really strong. She's really, uh, really devout Catholic. She's wearing a hair shirt and a hair diaper. This Brillo pad loincloth. The hair hair pad. <laughs> she goes on. <laughs> it must be so itchy. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of weird stuff. But I, I assume it's all a metaphor for Nietzsche. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, the pubic hair was all Goethe, you know. Goethe was a guy. He was a man of the bush. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever seen Nietzsche's mustache look like? <laughs> Nietzsche, Nietzsche's mustache looks like he's wearing three pubic scalps on his face. It's horrible. It's a merkin. But it, it, like, it's, 
It's it's like a. I'm gonna look at it, but you I'm, gotta look it up. Look up Nietzsche's I'm mustache. Ha, I'm gonna rely on autocorrect for Nietzsche. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. there's like eleven vowels in there. I don't need. Yeah, and I think there's like an S Z C H or something like that in a row. Like I don't even know what to do with that. Nietzsche. Close enough. Be careful. You might end up spelling the name of a city in Czech Republic. <laughs> I was not close. That is a hell of a mustache. That's like a railroad baron's mutton chops on the front of a face. It's really, it's really impressive. It looks like he's wearing a janitor's broom on his lip. <laughs> he looks like a more impressive Grover Cleveland. See, the thing, the duology is when he, if he ever went down on a woman who was shaved, it would look like she had a wicked bush. Because that mustache was just intense. She's heard this before. <laughs> She's <laughs> the spatters to the book, definitely. It's about the squirrel. <laughs> yes, somebody wrote, why the fuck did this not fall off the moving truck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was brought special. This, it I, lived, uh, yeah. it lived in a fucking safe. glass dome like the rose in Beauty and the Beast. It's, it will return to that. That's the only way to keep its spirit from roaming the house. <laughs> <laughs> the, Tiny uh, poltergeist. Glass cage of emotion. Right? <laughs> uh. The emotion is dead. <laughs> <laughs> like Kundera. Okay, so... Uh, Anyway, so then he, uh, so he's just window washing, though not getting a lot of window washing done. And then Teresa, this is when she is working. She's working as a waitress again. Now she's pouring beer at a bar and tries to fuck this guy and then does or doesn't, or at least definitely regrets it. One of the two. And then thinks he's, uh, thinks he's in the uh, uh, secret police. And so they end up just moving out of the city to a farm, to one of those collective farms that communists are so fond of, where <laughs> Tomas drives a truck and then they have this whole thing about the guy with the pig and then the dog dies and then the book is over. There we go. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they jump back to Sabina and they jump back to Franz also. He meets his son somewhere. Do we talk about that? He meets oh, his, his son right. wants him to sign the retraction. Yeah, but his son is like, this retract- guy's a little weak bitch. Or he wants him to not sign the retraction and join, no. the, join the resistance. No, he wants him to. So he, uh, Tomas, when he's a window washer in Prague, he shows up at a, one of his like you know appointments. And There's no lady there, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> instead of banging Where do you want buddy, me to lay this pipe? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I'm your son. It's like, oh, I mean, it's first for me, but I guess I'll try anything once. He shows up, and it's the editor of his Oedipus article and his son are there. Nate, and it's, they, Nate is an editor, Oedipus. 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 And he, they showed up, and they're like, oh, Tomas, you're a leading intellectual of the city. We, and your, your talents are truly wasted. Uh, the real point is we've written the statement about we want the gov- the communist government to release political prisoners. Will you please sign it? And then he, first he's like, well, I really don't want to because this absolutely will do nothing. But he's like, but my son wants me to, and I've basically never met him before, so I feel a little bit obligated to, you know, do at least one thing for him in his life. But then he's like, nah, won't do it. And then... Because he knows that everyone that everyone who signs it will just get in trouble, and no political prisoners will be released. So it's a truly wasted, wasted effort. I mean, I guess there's some symbolism of, well, at least you tried. You know, at least we're showing the people that there is still a resistance. But it didn't work at all. It was it was dumb. And so yeah, he doesn't sign, and that was kind of important because then his son is gonna is like, you know, like eighteen or nineteen. But now he's gonna get in a lot of trouble. Which is kind of too bad. Uh, and then eventually, he's not really in the book anymore after that. 
Well, his dad didn't do what he wanted. <laughs> and then Franz That's looking heavy, for man. Franz looking for meaning in his life. This is now the mid seventies or the really like the late seventies because he goes to Cambodia. Oh yeah, he tries to go no, to Cambodia. <laughs> well, he does. It, the, the origins it, of the song "Holiday" in Cambodia. Yes. Well, he, he goes to to Thailand for the convention, and then he tries. They try to walk into Cambodia, but they they don't. Well, that's the uh, go to Thailand for the convention, stay for the lady boys. And he's like, this is, these are both contrasts together. <laughs> What's funny is that they're, uh, they go there to protest Vietnam's invasion of Cambodia, which, because Vietnam had invaded Cambodia in 1978, I believe, something like that. But it was to that's stop. That's why we bombed it. We were just off on the no. dates. <laughs> yeah, we were just we're getting ready. We were early. We were I was going to take side. a left. <laughs> So the bombs Viet- will still be exploding when they get here, right? So Vietnam, uh, uh, Vietnam invaded Cambodia to stop the Khmer Rouge, to like stop the genocide in the killing fields because they were the f- people who were escaping were like, you won't believe what is going <laughs> on over there. So Vietnam, yes, we will. really does them a favor. Uh, now they're still, you know, enemy of the traditional communist country, enemy of the United States, enemy of the West. So, of course, people in the West are like, how dare you take over more countries? See, domino theory is real. Uh, <laughs> this is not how regime change works. This is Even though you can't say getting rid of the Khmer Rouge was a bad thing. So, I don't know. It's kind of a misguided, a misguided uh, protest. But anyway, they, he's over there and he gets mugged and he tries to be like, no, fuck you. And so they kill him. And that's how he dies. And his wife gets him buried back, I guess, in Switzerland. And it has something on his, again, on his tombstone. I forget what it was. It's like, after wandering around a while, he came home or something like that. <laughs> yes. Because he had never gotten, she wouldn't give him a divorce. They split up, but he never divorced her. Or she never would allow him to divorce her. Yeah. That was the one thing that this Swiss woman was not neutral about. <laughs> <laughs> and so he dies. And then uh, their fucking dog, uh, Thomas Tomash or whatever, and, uh, and uh, Teresa's dog dies of dog cancer. And, uh, and then there's some more thinking there about, like, there's more philosophizing about the dog being, like, a better thing than people because he's a good boy or something. <laughs> it's like, I think dogs didn't get kicked out of Eden. It's like, I think you missed the point of that story. And then... Well, uh, Teresa also realizes, like, I think I like this dog more than I like Thomas. Yeah. Because... You know, it's, it's loyal. Well, pretty much, it's <laughs> loyal, and he doesn't. You know, he's, he's, he's just fucking vibing, man. <laughs> yep. Better put him down. <laughs> he's got dog cancer. Also, it jumps around in time between sections. So, like during Sabina's last section, where she's you know like, that Tomas and Teresa are dead. Right? Yeah, they're like, oh, I got a letter, and they died in a car crash. And then you jump to them, and it's like, I thought they were dead. It's like, oh, I guess we went back again. It's kind of confusing. Yeah, you find out in the middle that they die in a car crash, and it's like, and I was like, what the fuck is the rest of the book about? Like, and it turns out it's still about them. They just, you know, how does Sabina die? Happened. She like, doesn't. Really? I thought they all die. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, no, she is in America with, she some, dies. with some U.S. senator. She dies spiritually. <laughs> she is no longer Czech. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I, maybe she didn't. I, just, I, think, I thought they all no, died. No, I don't think she does because she's like... I mean, they all represent parts of Kandera, but she's the one in exile, and he's in exile writing the fucking book. She realizes that like everything she's ever done doesn't matter because she's unattached to anything. 
So if she just dies on the inside. It'll happen. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it because I don't want to make this book was hard and that's enough for me to say I got it. And uh, <laughs> uh, so right. So to, so they put the dog down and Teresa is very sad and she's like, I'm, I'm so sad. He's like, we'll just buy a new Tomas, one. We'll do this again all, in 11 years. You're, you're, you know, this brilliant doctor and you're living out here driving the truck on a farm. Uh, you know, I've this I've ruined your life. And he's like, no, I'm happy here. I'm I'm finally happy doing this, and, and he's like, "Let's go, let's go hit the bar," and then they do, and, and he, on the way home, they die. Yeah. He also he hasn't fucked anyone else since they moved out there, because it's just pigs. <laughs> I'd said any one else. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so there's a very last, very last scene is like the the guy on the farm who's the one who uh, doesn't have a dog. He has a pig. He has a pet pig who goes around. Mephisto. The, yeah, uh, they're he like, hey. Fists. They like, you know, he Me fist. Oh, <laughs> Tomas like fixes the truck. He like changes the tire, and the guy's like, "You did a good job. Let's go. Let's go to the bar." And so they do. Drink a gallon of Pilsner, and then after <laughs> that, <laughs> we laughed because Jimmy took another sip of the beer. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to do that. No, no, I'm good. Uh-uh. I'm going to drink it because that's like a four hundred dollars of beer sitting in your glass. <laughs> <laughs> It's all yours, like, man. It's like the fucking bottle of brandy you find on a pirate ship at the bottom of the sea and some rich guy buys it. You're like, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's great. I'll remember <laughs> this <amazing>. day. <laughs> I have gout I mean, now. I will remember this day. That is true. Yes. You know, uh, you can get gout from drinking beer. You'll get gout from this beer. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they have a... I forget exactly how it happened. They're like stay the night at the little bar place thingy and then on the way home they the brakes don't work and then they the brakes were shitty yeah in a you know but in in soviet and czech you know communist the car Czech crashes you yeah. <laughs> the, the, you know the cars were bad I, i'm shocked i mean can you name one czech automobile manufacturer probably I... only had one brake <laughs> you know we don't we it can't afford you, two brake pads you just put your feet through the floor it's a flintstone car <laughs> In the contrast of stopping and going, uh, stopping <laughs> loses. And, <laughs> and so they die, and then that's the end of the book. And he's like, this car won't stop. It's, like, really heavy. <laughs> the mass is inertia or some shit. And you're like, ah, they did. Momentum, you know. Mo- momentum, mo problems, Nate. When you don't have brakes. That's, that's true. <laughs> that is definitely <laughs> true. <laughs> okay, what did you think? I liked parts of it. Like, I liked a nice story and it was interesting and i know i didn't get it <laughs> yeah i knew i wasn't getting it as i was reading this i'm like oh fuck and i mean especially even though i like really did read the first page and a half like seven times being like what lightning oh god damn it what the fuck uh, i really it was one of those books where i'm like this okay but actually that's not quite true i felt like once i figured out what the beginning was trying to say i was like okay i get what's happening yeah. It's just kind of dumb. I don't know. Like, I, I get that, you know, it's the debate between heaviness and lightness. And I get like, oh, these characters are heavy. These characters are light. I guess my, own, my, my central issue was like, it's based on this idea that Nietzsche said that everything happens over and over again forever. Why? Which is an unprovable thing. So who cares? And he says, if it happens only one time, then it doesn't matter. Uh, That's just counterpoint, an assertion. <laughs> counterpoint, 
if it happens only one time, doesn't that make it really important? Isn't that actually the opposite? You know, if you only have one life, doesn't that make your one life really important? Just, Isn't that the, just it, ask somebody who has a nickname like Goatfucker. He's like, I did it one time, and that's <laughs> what they called me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Ask Nietzsche. It doesn't, didn't matter. I think that that is... I th- part of the problem of fucking philosophy is that you know it's talking out of your ass a lot of time, but like I think that's what the author is trying to say that like it's not really either of these things. Both of these things are true. I mean, I, I don't know about the fucking time continuing in a loop for all eternity. That is weird. But he's saying you know it's not so cut and dry about things being light or heavy if they happen once or for all time. You know, it's, it doesn't really work that way. People aren't like that. Even if it is true that things happen in a recurring loop, why does that make them heavy or light at all? Like, that's just what it is then. Like, why does it mean your actions have gravity or whatever to them? Because if it's happening again and again, then, like, you don't have a choice, right? So, like, how could your decisions have any weight to them at all if it's going to happen every time? It's not like a fate kind of thing. There's no free will kind of question. If you have no free will, why would your choices have any weight at all? There's got to be like a, a, it's part of a larger thing he wrote, I'm sure, that maybe expands upon this, but we only got the one or two sentences and that was more than enough It's probably one of the things he said to his horse at the end of his life when (laughs) Nietzsche was fucking insane. (laughs) His name was insane? He went crazy at the end of his life. He said it to the horse as he was fucking it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is happening forever and all time. This is a nightmare. This is meaningful because it happens. <laughs> there you go. I see what you did there. Yeah. You're my main girl. <laughs> and you know, after he died, Nietzsche's sister like wrote a fake wrote a book about how awesome she was and said, like, my brother wrote this book. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold move. <laughs> also, by that he time the, the Nazis were like, hey. This guy's cool. Nietzsche was long... Didn't he die in the 1890s or something like that? Yeah, but by the time like the Nazis were a thing, I think his sister was still around. Oh. And we're like, oh, hey, Nietzsche. Here's... I have the volume one of Nietzsche Anthology. It's got like some unreleased tracks that John started in this book about me. And they're like, oh, cool. It's a Beatles Anthology joke. You guys didn't listen to that garbage? No. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, so I as reading it, I was like, this is a book for a classroom. This is a book... Not even maybe for a, a literature classroom, but a philosophy classroom. But it's like... He, I, he wrote... Kundera wrote a, a thing about this book, and he said... <laughs> the unbearable reading of the unbearable... He wrote a lot of like essays and shit, because he was a philosopher and a, you know, a theorist and all that shit. Uh, he wrote a, an essay about it and says, a definition of the novel as a meditation on existence as seen through the medium of imaginary oh, fuck characters. Fuck so you. it's like, it's not really a book, uh, not a novel as much as it is like a way to explore this idea. It's a giant allegory. Like every character yeah. stands for some idea or some symbol. I mean, they all stand for two ideas. Well, I made a list of all the different pairs, right? Because there's a lot of other things. They keep mentioning. Mm, I, I only know the regular kind of pairs. Uh, Anjou. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bartlett. <laughs> Christian pairs, uh, Muslim pairs. There's O pairs. <laughs> so they have um, light and weight, strong and weak, sex versus love, um, male and female. And I, I can imagine female writers not liking this, female readers not liking this book very much. Because all the women are just like well, helpless. Sab- Sabina is very not helpless. She does what the fuck she wants. Yeah, I guess. But the other one, Teresa, she's just like 
fucked up by... But then again, maybe it's because of her fucked up creepy mom who walked around just with her titties out. said it's exactly because of her fucked up creepy mom. Her mom would constantly be saying, like, your looks are the only thing that matter. And you're, you're like, I'm hot, fuck you. Like, that's a weird thing for a mom to say to a child. And the mom was... Well, the mom was very vulgar. And then there's, like, polite society. Then there's, like, the class stuff. Yeah. And the elites, like, the genteel, the The class educated. versus the classless society. There you go. Commies versus the checks. Faithfulness, fidelity versus, like, philandering and just fucking everything that moves. And then um, power versus no power, of course, as you see, like, each character in different situations, it changes, right? Like, Tomas has the power over Teresa and Sabina in many ways. But then, like, he meets the secret police guy and he has no fucking power. And in their conversation... And the guy's like, why'd you write that article? And he's like, he realizes, oh, fuck, I'm being interrogated right now. Everything I say can and will be used against me. (laughs) Every answer he gives. And he's like, all right, got to lie to him. Lie to him. He's like, it was a tall guy. And he's like, oh, what did he look like? Big beard and a weird chin. And and he he says he he was a tall guy with black hair. And he goes, did he have a big chin? He's like, sure. And he's like, I know who that is. He's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) That's a real guy. (laughs) I don't know. He had a hook (laughs) for a hand. No, wait. uh, Let me change my mind. I would say medium chin. uh, Third arm coming out of his back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Carl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that guy really stands out, huh? But then there's another thing that uh, I guess it's Sabrina says it or Teresa, if you're one of the women, female characters, talk, keeps saying, Tom, Tomas, you don't have, you're not kitschy. You don't have any kitsch. No, the kitsch thing was another thing that I was struggling to Because kitsch is like flashy, cheap garbage versus, and therefore like meaningless, versus the sentimental, the things that have meaning mm. and are not, and are often not flashy, like an old heirloom, you know, rug or some bullshit i don't know like they're you know not flashy things so like there's all these different comp that beer definitely not flashy definitely i don't know if it's sentimental it's uh sentimentally it's mentally and well mentally ill yes yeah. uh it's sentimental with a c and scent it's, <laughs> it's stinky actually it doesn't smell i'm not gonna find out by putting my nose that close to it but it is you can breathe in its breath the death fumes of the squirrel's mouth so I felt as reading it, I was like, ah, oh, this is the kind of thing where if I was in a class and we were going to spend, you know, three or four classes, which would be like six hours talking about this book with a person who really knows it, you could have a lot to say. There's a lot to talk about and, di- and think about, but that doesn't make it a fun reading experience for me, at least. That's a fucking chore. And I don't <laughs> know why. And, and I, other, I've heard when he died a few weeks ago, people like, he was the greatest writer of the second half of the 20th century or shit like that. Like, hyperbolic things like that. People, well, like anybody dies and people like Pee Wee Herman died the other day and people are like, he was the greatest comedic talent. They're like, no, he fucking wasn't. He was a guy who jerked off in a theater. He was damn good though. And Mechalicka. Pee Wee's Big Adventure was a, a mainstay of my life. I mean, life. he helped, he revived interest in the Alamo from. <laughs> <laughs> now we know there's no basement. There is no basement in the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you didn't know that before. That mean, I, I had to confirm it afterwards. Like, he's, that can't be true. <laughs> he tore the lid off that Alamo myth. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's... It's uh, it's not a book you pick up for light reading. Uh, or d- any reading. Yeah. Unless you, like, know what you're going to get into. And we didn't. No. no. <laughs> so we, I have a theory. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I think he. it has... <laughs> clearly. <laughs> I think it has a really good title. I think the and, title and of the book is like, We didn't like, talk oh. about what the title even means. And it's, it's true. And a, a phrase comes up in the book at some point, too. It is a good title. It's just like the kind of title you hear and you're like, oh, that, 
that must really mean something. That book must really like say something. It has that like uh, mm. it is a really interesting title. And then people read it and go, "Oh, this is about philosophy and stuff." It <laughs> that must, is exactly what they say. It must, <laughs> it, it, but what I mean is, this 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 must be good because it must be deep. And then you either, I mean, sure, it has That's a what lot, they say lot about going vaginas. <laughs> Not always true. Uh, but anyway, people think it must be good. My point is it has a good title, and it's clearly philosophical, so it must be saying something important. So, it, oh, it must be so good. And maybe it is. I just, I don't know. But I didn't enjoy reading it. But I think that's why it's most famous, because it has a really good uh, really good title. And apparently, there, a movie was made in the 80s, and Kundera hated it. And never allowed another movie made of his work? No. It's also apparently a very horny movie. It's Daniel Day-Lewis. And was it uh, Juliette Binoche? And another hot lady who were just like naked for half the movie, apparently. But it's a good fapping movie if you're into <laughs> well, thinking movies. about philosophy, like which I, I guess it would be hard to do because most of it is done through narration. The philosophy part. I, well, I think they probably cut all that shit right out yeah, of the movie. Yeah, so it's just a movie about like four people fucking each other. Yeah. Like which is a not weird the point of quadruple. the fucking book. It's a like this. It says that, like this story is not a story, it's a fucking. Teaching allegory. That's what it is. Yep. And they're like, what if we just took all the teaching part out and had these people finger each other <laughs> while the Soviets invaded? Finger their anuses. <laughs> the, 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 and that's the thing. Did they have that part in it? I have not seen the movie. <laughs> but uh, apparently it's got some really hot scenes of Daniel Day-Lewis and some hot you know, European women. But the, the Czech Spring thing wasn't really... That big a part of the book too, like when it was a backdrop. Which I left this knowing just as much as I knew about the Czech Spring going into it, which is what I just guessed. It's like <laughs> I bet the Russians went in and were assholes. Yeah, <laughs> and that's all I know. That's what I left with. It's a it, strong. It's a safe bet. Well, the, it, and, it and, that, and they, they talk about Dubček getting his fucking being like emasculated Michael, in front called, of people. It's called Dubstep. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that bass to drop, and because uh, it was unbearably just like heavy. The Iron Curtain. <laughs> But there's a whole other thing too. Like that's like the one detail about the Czech Czech Spring thing is when they talk about their president or prime minister or whatever it was being like held in a fucking interrogation room in, in like Ukraine and told he's going to be executed. And then they're like, you know what? No, just make sure you do what we say. And then he's like so humiliated that he can't even speak to the Czech people afterwards. And you're like, oh, does that matter? No. That's another, it sounded unbearable, but I don't a, know about the lightness. Another duology. Well, it's about power, right? Who has the power? I guess if I, have, if I had to say some bullshit in seminars, I'd say something like that. And that sounds pretty heavy. Whoa, whoa, dude, whoa. Well, who should read it? Sounds like uh, pretentious college students, philosophy, and Czech dissidents, philosophy students. I don't know. Are there still Czech dissidents? He might have been the last. He might have been the last one. <laughs> it's like communism's been over for a while, though. I'm sure. The Czech Republic still has its share of issues. Oh, we know, well, it's, we never even talked about why we picked this beer because of the title has to do with the end of communism, sort of. The, the title has the, uh, the title is about uh, Sabina. No, no, not that. The title of this uh, beer. Oh, the name of the beer. So the beer is called "The End of History," which is taken from the Francis Fukuyama book about how, like, when the Cold War ended, they were like, he was like, "This is the best thing ever." Mm. And I've actually never read that book. I've only had professors talk shittily about it in classes to me. Oh, well, there you go. And I, I'm like, I'm not going to read it now. 
Nate, did you read it? Uh, no, but uh, the premise is that like when the when when the Cold War ended, that means that sort of like the main conflict of history is now over, and so humanity can just kind of progress in a better pr- direction because we don't need to fight this fight anymore. Turns out he was wrong. Yeah, dumbass. Fucking yeah. Because <laughs> then people shortly after would invent the internet, and then Wiki feet would just be divided. <laughs> the new the new Cold War. Left or right foot. <laughs> Didn't you say that was an article how like Wiki, Wiki feet was be, was like people arguing with each other relentlessly there about like politics and whatever of uh, I think there was I'm something sure. about there that. was a weird there was a weird overlap of Wiki feet people and um, some weird political extremism. <laughs> I mean, is is it really weird that those things overlapped? No, it's not. <laughs> that extremists would also be into feet. <laughs> the extreme the extreme end of the human body. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> it was really if you were like a big. It was, I think the big divide was people who thought your second toe should be longer than your big toe or shorter, and they like could not I'm settle. I'm confident that is an actual divide. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. And then there's the the people like, why can't it just be in the middle? Why, why can't, can't it, it be, be the same length? And you're like, that just looks fucking weird. All feet are all toes are perfectly the same size. Like, is your foot interested in a square? Those people are called Germans. <laughs> <laughs> it is very orderly. <laughs> there is no little toe to stub. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's why we picked this beer. We just really needed an excuse to drink it. And, just uh, fuck it. Just drink it, yeah. And uh, now I think we needed an excuse to not drink it because it's fucking terrible. It's heavy. I have an excuse. Oh, <laughs> it's I, not I'm good. I'm finishing <laughs> Nate's drink. It's, it smells oh. like paint thinner. You, you probably shouldn't do that. I'm going to do it. Okay, this right. could have been money for my kid's college. <laughs> I mean, he did just... I'm like have COVID. Mo- I'm oh, that's true. Basically <laughs> over COVID, but like but that's like all fucking booze. That's true. COVID it can't it, live in there. It's, it's clean. That'll kill, that'll kill anything. You're right. That'll kill most strains of AIDS. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, on that note, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbc. Club. Oh, we never mentioned the Patreon because if uh, I told you how much I spent on this fucking beer, you would never give us money again. Uh, yeah, but I think you, you got this like I years bought it in 20, ago. 2017. Yeah. Jesus, that was before the fucking. It was right when the podcast started. started yeah. I didn't have a kid yet. That was my excuse. My excuse. It has, it's been <laughs> aging in this squirrel for six years. It took me two years to get the bottle, though. Like I paid the money. You had to wait for the squirrel to be legal. And they eventually <laughs> shipped it illegally anyway. But follow and us, yeah, Penn Patreon, whatever it's called. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.